I hope you're strapped in and strapped on. The human papillomavirus. You nailed it. Get your Gardasil shot. Well, actually, no, get your COVID vaccine also. The conversation about it should not just be only talking about cancer because that's unnecessarily scary as fuck. Hey, everyone. Um, it's April, and um, I'm here with my pal Claire, featured on several episodes of season one. Check it out. Um, Claire, do you know what's significant about April as it relates to this podcast? <laughs> um, lots of spring holidays. Yep. Obviously, we're we're big into Easter and Passover here at Sextentialist. Ramadan, Easter, Ramadan. Passover. Oh, Ramadan's April as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So many things to celebrate here, including STI Awareness Month. <laughs> STI Awareness <laughs> Month. It's sort of like if you tear it, it's like first, I would say STI, STI Awareness, Awareness Month. Month. Then Tide, Easter, Ramadan, Passover. And apparently today, we're recording this on April 18th, 2022, um, apparently today is World Anal Day, which I didn't know, otherwise I would have been Nor celebrating, did I. but I did have anal <laughs> sex yesterday, <laughs> so I unintentionally celebrated yesterday. Oh my gosh, you didn't even know. No, I didn't know, and now I feel like I'm really part Like of you the- believe in fate for the first time? Well, that was my Easter celebration. Oh, happy okay. resurrection! Put a little egg up there. Resurrected my enjoyment of anal sex. Um, yeah. So anyway, it's STI Awareness Month. Um, if you haven't already, check out um, the last episode on um, herpes and shedding stigma affiliated with herpes. Um, but today we're talking to Claire um, specifically about, and I'm, I have a really hard time saying this full name, so bear with me. Specifically, we're talking about HPV, um, otherwise known as the human papilo- papillomavirus. Uh, you nailed pap- it. Papillomavirus. Mm-hmm. Um, my southern has to come out in order to get through it, apparently. Um, <laughs> which, in my experience as a vagina owner um really like only came up um education wise when determining like when and if i should get my gardasil vaccine um, as a teenager to prevent cervical cancer um that kind of correlates uh to some of the more extreme uh quote-unquote extreme um hpv strains which we'll get into here in a minute but um there's a, a like everything else, a big lack of um, education around this particular STI. And um, Claire, it's safe to say that you are, uh, you know, like a like a post HPVer. Is that how you would identify? <laughs> Is that like a yeah? Good I have title? to talk about <laughs> that title all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, I um, I was diagnosed with HPV back in 2018 and had a normal pap um, about a year later. So at some point in that year, um, my body kind of did its thing. Um, And yeah, I, I 
no longer have any abnormal cells in my cervix. I, I feel like that's such a technical way of talking about it. But yeah, like for all, you know, like anything that relates to my life and the way I live it. Yeah, I had it in a past yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I think um, that's a great a great angle for us to kind of start this conversation about HPV because I think something that was scary for me in 2018 when you initially kind of mm-hmm. told me about this diagnosis and and certainly at the time it seemed scary for you is that um, it's not kind of publicly established like nine times out of ten your body is going to kind of get rid of HPV within two years roughly mm-hmm. is, is the statistic there. Um and we just affiliate it with the cervical cancer thing, which is super important, but um, but not the end-all be-all. Right. So I'd love to um, have you share a little bit about your um, experience kind of getting diagnosed with HPV, what, what led up to that, and, and how you um, sort of received that information from your medical provider. And then um, we can kind of go from there, and I'll throw in some useful statistics when appropriate. (laughs) Sounds good. Yeah. So, um, so in 2018, I, um, had just gotten together with my now partner of many years. Um, and I was wanting to get a, uh, IUD inserted and a hormonal IUD inserted that summer. Um, I had been with my partner for um, just a couple of months, but was ready to, you know, move away from other forms of contraception and um, and be with him and not have to worry about my contraception as much. So the IUD was a good option for me. Um, that's not what this is about. So, uh, <laughs> so I went to the uh, w- one of the other morals of this story is how fucked our healthcare system is. So I went to the, um, the gynecologist, um, to talk about, you know, getting the IUD inserted and changing over my, uh, hormonal birth control. Um, and I was told by the office, thankfully, shout out to the people coordinating the appointments there that if I got like what you call like a well woman exam, which is so stupid, but that's always what they call them, at least where I live, Um, which is like your annual pap and like, you know, breast exam and like some other stuff. Um, Checkup sort of uh, for, yeah, (laughs) for that side of things. She listens to my heart though. She checks in. Yeah, yeah, blood pressure. It, it, it's a yeah. It it goes anyway. So, um they told me that if I got one of those types of exams instead of like a visit to talk about contraception that it would be covered by my insurance. Yeah. Uh because I guess it's like a annual exam versus like a problem visit. I don't know. I didn't yeah. know this, but like shout out to them because this visit was free. Um and so I wasn't due for a pap yet. Um, so I wasn't going to get one, but I got one literally because somehow if I had more of a medical intervention, it would be free. And Mm -hmm. so I got that pap. 
um, and then in the room with her, talk to her about wanting an IUD, and then we scheduled the appointment for the IUD insertion. But then I got a call, uh, and getting a call from the doctor is like, especially these days, like it's pretty much only if something is wrong unless you specifically ask for it because otherwise they'll just email you yeah. um, or text you or whatever. <laughs> um, and so I, full disclosure for like the way that I reacted to this, um, I also struggle with anxiety and as of more recently have acknowledged some hypochondriac tendencies. And so I like absolutely freaked out um, because the phone call, they just told me that I had an abnormal pap smear and that I had to come in to talk to the doctor to get like a full for her to read the report because I guess the person who called me wasn't qualified to do that, you know, or whatever. They won't do it over the phone. So um, so I, I was not in. So at the time I was living with my parents. This was right after I graduated from college. Um, and I was in my summer before going into graduate school. And, um, when I got the call though, I was visiting my partner who lived in a different city and I freaked out. I talked to him a little bit. And then I also, um, I called my mom (laughs) because, and she and I like, don't talk about my sex life. Um, but I know that when it comes to stuff like this, I felt comfortable because I felt like I didn't know who else to ask. And so I asked her um, if she's ever had an abnormal pap before because I didn't even Google it yet because I try to protect myself from the Google rabbit hole because of my hypochondriac stuff because it always makes it worse for me. I know for a lot of people it like helps you calm down, but I feel like I literally need somewhere, someone there next to me to like read it for me because I just don't do well by myself with the internet um, when it comes to health stuff. (laughs) And my mom told me that she did have an abnormal pap, um, when she was in her 20s and that it turned out that she had HPV and that um, later she had some – this is just her description and she's not a health professional either, Um, but she said she had some like what they called precancerous cells Uh, and this was in – I mean it had to have been in the 80s Um, and they like kind of – removed those cells through like a minor but more um invasive procedure than like a pap smear um and so her description was like this was a big bummer (laughs) but like my situation was worse than yours is right now and still it was fine um she did end up having some like like it kind of weakened her cervix. So then later when she was pregnant, she had some minor issues just having like she had to be bedridden. But that was like the the only long-term harm that came right. from her situation. So that was able to calm me down a bit. It also made me feel like um from the stigma side of things, like I mean, my mom is not a wild um person and never has been. So it's kind of surprising to to me at the time 
to hear that she had had HPV because I was like, yeah, I mean, I feel like me getting an STI is surprising just because I'm so cautious. But like, I know I've slept with a lot more people than my mom (laughs) did back (laughs) in the day because she talks about like, like she never took a shot in her life. You know, it's like, okay, like she was very cautious compared to me, but she got HPV. So that kind of opened the door to like, this is actually a thing that's very, very normal and um, and people go through and most of it is just being a little bit more cautious about your cervical health than people who haven't gotten diagnosed with HPV. So like all my, after I went back to the doctor and she told me that you know, the strain that I had, um, all she told me that I need to do is get a pap smear every year instead of every two years. Easy. And that was it. And I did cry in the office because I told her that, you know, I like am relatively very educated about, you know, STIs and I felt like I had done everything right. I remember I kept saying that, like, I did everything right, which is a very loaded statement. But, like, in my emotional state at the time, like, that's where I was at because, you know, no – not to, like, shame anybody who, you know, like, goes through something because of um, whatever the decision that they make, you know. Um, But I was, like – quizzing my partners on their uh you know like STI testing and stuff yeah. like that and um and she was like yeah you know uh with partners with penises like they they can't be tested they're not screened so like of all of the STIs that you're asking your partners about getting tested for like they could have been tested for every single thing that their clinic offered um, and been negative for everything and told you that and you're making an informed decision and still they give you HPV, you know? So um, I was feeling a little bit like, fuck the patriarchy, burn it all down. Um, (laughs) Not going to lie, because I just felt like, you know, some man – uh, caused my risk of cervical cancer to increase, um, even though I did everything right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, that was very frustrating. Um, and because uh, men aren't tested, I actually don't know who I got it from. So um, that's also something that I think is kind of like – frustrating about going through this um but yeah I mean the more I learned about it really just the more I realized that it was not uh really gonna take my life for any type of turn um but in the moment when I was in the doctor's office it was like me crying because I did everything right (laughs) and then just like everything that came out of the doctor's mouth was about cancer and so it was just like absolutely terrifying um for me as someone who doesn't even let myself read about medical things online it was like you know I was I was 22 and I was in the doctor's office by myself with this 
doctor, you know, just talking to me about cancer. Um, and I was not expecting any of that because I just wanted a IUD. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That was my uh not so brief rundown of my experience. No, no, no. That's um super helpful context. And um a, a few things that you touched on. So I guess I want to first um clarify to everyone that not every abnormal pap smear means that you have um HPV or any type of like precancerous HPV cells. Talk to your medical provider before you yeah, um, yeah. hear abnormal pap smear and Google play, play it safe like Claire. Don't Google abnormal pap smear. Um, throw back to the same year I had. So I have a fragile cervix. Hashtag fragile cervix. Um, <laughs> hashtag which, fragile cervix game. <laughs> which basically just means that pap smears hurt for me and I bleed a lot after them and that will always probably be true and it's unfortunate. But like I had an ab- sort of abnormal pap. By sort of, I mean they didn't say it was abnormal, but they were sort of like your pap smear isn't what we want it to be. And I was like, okay, I'm not sure what that means. And then it was like, oh, you just have a fragile cervix. But like, I did panic when they first mm-hmm. said that, and was definitely like crying and saying, telling everyone that I was probably infertile, which could still be true. But like, don't <laughs> don't Google it. Is what it I'm saying. Still be true. <laughs> it could be. St- still be true um well and that's the thing about about the way that medical professionals at least in my experience communicate with us is like basically trying to cover every single base and yeah we were talking before like it seems like just this constant like never say never which is good like you want to be informed you want to be cautious you want to protect yourself and your health um but I mean shit like I would have benefited from knowing the actual risk rate of the strain that I had you know like yeah and oh because you mentioned Gardasil earlier I had Gardasil yeah when I was um you know 15 it was new for us like I feel like we were kind of the first wave of people getting it like pre-typical having sex age yeah you know yeah I like think they caught I, us like right before i think the first one because it was three doses i think now they're they've changed the the dosage account because it is three right wasn't it for us it that sounds right yeah i think i had the first one before i had sex but then by the time i got the second one which is like nine months later or whatever gap it was i was having sex but yeah. Um with a penis owner who had not had sex with anyone else. So I wasn't yeah, very yeah. worried. Th- that um sounds fairly similar to my experience, but yeah. Yeah, I had Gardasil, but th- so they, they improve these things. Like we yeah. had I don't know if it was actually the first version, like probably not, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like we had a version that was like many, many versions earlier than what they have now. And one of the things that my um gynecologist I was going to at the time told me was that like I had one of the so there's like hundreds of different strains or types or whatever of of the virus HPV um and I had one of the 12 that does increase your risk of cervical cancer and it infects the cervix specifically I guess um compared to like 
genital warts that affect your like external genitalia. Um, so it's one of the 12 that increases your risk, but it's not one of the two that like really dramatically increases your risk. Um, and so I was given the whole like cancer risk talk, you know, because like it does it, the, the one that I had, like it, it does increase your risk of cervical cancer. Um, so, you know, she was covering all her bases and keep yeah. making sure that I, as the patient was informed, um, but yeah, I mean, she she basically was like, yeah, probably the Gardasil that you got was because another thing about fuck the healthcare system is like all of my medical records are scattered all over the place because I never like went to the same doctor for a long period of time. So I oh my gosh, it's <laughs> such a mess. It's such a mess, uh, especially yeah. like being a student in different locations, like going to the on-campus health clinics at multiple universities and like just truly my medical records are everywhere and nowhere. Um, so I was telling her that I had Gardasil and she was like, yeah, but back then it didn't cover as many strains and now it covers more. Can we get a booster? I'm going to Google that. That's a good question. Gardasil boosters. It was not mentioned to me, but she did say that like the two high, high risk ones, like I had been vaccinated for those. Gotcha. You know, so it's like yeah. I got one of the other ones that like is less, um, you know, related to, to cervical cancer, um, but still is. Uh, yeah. So I guess like the vaccines now are better, which makes perfect sense. And like it, HPV is is at this point my understanding very close to entirely preventable um with a vaccine so mm. if you take anything away from this it's like if you never got that vaccine and you're interested in it you know talk to your doctor about it if you're someone who has children get your children of any any gender yeah. <laughs> um any any reproductive system uh vaccinated early because there's no reason not to and yeah people with penises cannot be tested for it but they can pass it on to other people and increase their risk of cervical cancer and that is yeah dangerous yeah yeah like let's i just want to reiterate for folks listening because this still astounds me is it's it's not um testing for hpv is not like with um herpes and and others that aren't on your basic panel it's not like oh i want to pay a lot of money and they can do a swab or or a blood test and then i can get it. it's there is not a test that exists for penis owners there's no, there's none that's approved there's no way for penis owners to protect um their their partners from it um which is nuts because it is mm -hmm. the most common sti hpv is um and that's and one of the reasons is yeah. because it's it's spreading because people don't know that they have it and penis owners are so likely to be completely asymptomatic that yeah. like how would you know that you're passing something on to a partner yeah. yeah of of the people that come to mind for me that could have given it to me they definitely did not know you know like it's not something for that, sure that it's not like know a lack of disclosure like no it would be with something else exactly um no, or not. like 
even that's the thing is it's it's one thing if you have a partner who's getting regularly tested and doesn't disclose and another thing for a partner who just never gets tested because they don't care enough about their own sexual health or the sexual health of new partners but this is like you can exactly like claire said you can be playing all of the safe sex rules and not be prepared to to disclose not have the tools to disclose an hpv diagnosis to a partner um hpv is more common in penis owners than um in vulva owners um but I think the the statistics from what I've read, um, the discrepancy between the two increases with age. Um, so teenagers, it's um, generally fewer in, in penis owners than um, vulva owners. And so um, and, and, and like Claire said, HPV does not really impact penis owners unless they are immunocompromised um or living with hiv right where like their bodies aren't equipped to fight off anything in which case they can develop certain types of cancers um and also like claire said genital warts come from one type of hpv and cancers come from other types other Mm -hmm. strains um so my understanding is that penis owners can't get tested for hpv like with a test to see if the virus is present um but that if if it's one of the strains that results in genital warts um which are separate from the strains that increase your risk of cancer um if it's genital warts and genital warts are present then those folks can get diagnosed simply because that is the virus that causes genital warts but it's more of a visual um like diagnosis however you you say that it's not a um yeah a lab test yeah it's confusing to me a little bit and this is where um you know like we're not medical professionals and like we're both good, good God, at no. doing research but are still not scientists um i don't know where you know because the stats that we look at are from who cdc like verifiable organizations that that monitor these things either globally or nationally i don't really know where all the stats come from if you aren't able to like properly like i don't know screen or something um because they're not just specifying oh penis owners with genital warts are the are the ones that we're including in this number like it i can't imagine that to be the case i don't know if it's like they derive it from oh Claire had HPV. Claire confirmed that she had sex with a penis owner. We assume that there's one penis owner and that gets added to the research studies. I have no idea. Um, Anyway, we're not here to talk about um, the nitty gritty, but I still think like the, the stats are, or I guess that some of the science behind all of this is important context as well, because um, that's just, you know, how we should, supplement our more qualitative um understanding of of stis i think yeah yeah most definitely and you know a lot of the stats and and just online resources that that i looked at back then and then also more recently um are based in you know the u.s um just because i'm trying to look at 
apples to apples and like compare and kind of draw lines between numbers but i know that globally um you know the u.s is has a lower hpv rate than lots of other countries um and in a lot of parts of the world with um just less accessible healthcare uh, more across the board. I'm not going to act like our healthcare is that accessible because it's definitely not uh, for different reasons. But, um, you know, that not only is our HPV rates high, but cervical cancer rates are higher too because of higher HPV rates. Um, right. And, and like, I mean, because of a lack of vaccines so again you yeah. know the, the vaccine it is it, it is preventable um and it is so related to cervical cancer risk that in a way cervical cancer is at least in part preventable um and yeah there, there are lots of places in the world where vaccines uh, like Gardasil are, are not accessible and um People have to find that there's all sorts of like interesting ways when you look into it that um, people around the world find ways of identifying abnormal um, cells in the cervix. Uh, I was just looking at something earlier today and this is like totally just me being nerdy about like <laughs> global development, which is not related to this um but uh but it is weirdly um how there was this community in ghana where uh hpv rates were really really high and there was this clinic that opened up where they were using vinegar and mm. uh cotton swabs and just like typical um you know gynecological like instruments to you know open the vagina and look at the cervix and hold vinegar against the cervix for a while. And um, if there were abnormal cells present, generally, because this is not like the yeah, best yeah. method in the whole world, but this was like the method with like low resources, um, the cervix would like appear white or this, the abnormal cells would appear white. And then oh, they could um, ice you know, scrape the cells off, ice them, and send them somewhere else to be tested. So that's, that's so just an aside cool. to be, like, people, yeah. especially, like, uh, women who are trying to find ways around the way that medical science tends to overlook us, especially women in the developing world um or women in in poor nations uh yeah just find finding new ingenious ways of doing what you can with little um which i found to be very fucking cool <laughs> no yeah that is very learning about that earlier very cool wouldn't recommend that for an at home project for anyone but uh yeah yeah the, you could blacklight yeah. my pussy and see what <laughs> lurks <laughs> no i oh my god <laughs> uh, not the same <laughs> no, it's not the same. same i don't understand 
I'd be scared right now. <laughs> After what you told us you did yesterday, you might need to blacklight yeah. something else. My booty hole? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is what I meant. Yeah. My booty mm-hmm. hole's good. No that's it. bad cells there. <laughs> it's good. good. Um, I hope so. Thank you. No, but I, I do appreciate that. I think it is really interesting to know how – I mean, the thing is, is it's interesting. It's all – I mean, it, it, it's unfortunate that we live in a world where so many societies and uh, communities and countries at large have to, like, basically DIY things for lack of, of better resources or access to um, funding, facilities, labs. Yeah, even stuff like like – microscopes and slides to yeah. use in the microscopes just equipment Base, basic things things that we all probably had um in chemistry class <laughs> yeah for real you know? um an- another thing sort of anecdotally anecdotally um that I wanted to touch on um Claire is that I know for me when I do my initial sort of like STI or general education deep dive like with everything else when you read about HPV it says skin to skin contact um yeah in uh your experience anecdotally in talking with with your healthcare provider and in talking with um other folks that you've communicated with kind of about your HPV HPV experience um that's not really the case correct or rarely the case yeah, I mean, again, we're walking the line of like you don't want to tell people that something is impossible. It almost reminds me of like being in middle school and like thinking you can get pregnant from like a hot tub or like from a like toilet seat. Do you know what I mean? Like where it's like, oh, if this, yeah. then this, then this, then this. But it's just like, does it happen? No. My period was once like three days late. And I was <laughs> I was a freshman in high school, and I, I hadn't had intercourse yet with But anyone. you got fingered? Well, so, yeah, I was actively getting fingered regularly. No, but, like, is that but why you thought? No, let me – no, no. I gave a hand job, and then I was worried that if I had, like – given a hand job and then like rinsed my hand but then immediately went to the bathroom like when I wiped with toilet paper after peeing could I have accidentally inseminated myself right and like I want to laugh obviously I did (laughs) (laughs) like I want to laugh but also it's like these are the anxieties that young people have because like I feel like the whole let's cover all our bases and try not to like this whole never say never you know stuff is like alarmist because yeah you know I I I felt like even though I was being very thoroughly informed that the conversation that I had with my doctor was alarmist because when I was able to calm down a bit um and the only thing calming about that conversation was that she said all I needed to do was get a pap smear every year instead of every two years. And then I was like, oh, okay, like it, this isn't going to become like a whole medical journey I'm going on. Um, at least not then, unless something progressed, you know, which it did sure. not. Um, 
But yeah, after then allowing myself to read more about it, um, I realized that, you know, like this happens to, you know, it's it's the common cold of the cervix, basically. Um, and that, what is it, like four out of five sexually active adults like will have it at some point yeah. during their sexually active life. So that's not like 80% of people all the time. It's like 80% of people at some point in their life. Right. Um, and, you know, you can have multiple strains you can get another strain later um you know it's not like a like a one-off thing um but yeah I mean after learning that I was like and and knowing my mom went through the same thing and then like seeing it like I started noticing it more in media too Mm -hmm. like there's a joke at an end of at the end of a Broad City episode um one of the characters gets her Gardasil shot in the episode and at the end uh the other main character says I thought you already had HPV and she goes of course I have HPV I'd almost be embarrassed if I didn't at this point (laughs) and you know just noticing that now it's like oh Yeah. yeah because like it means that you are sexually active you know like yeah that's it um and you have to be aware of the risks and also the conversation about it should not just be only talking about cancer because that's scary as fuck, you know, and it's unnecessarily scary as fuck. Um, Yeah. Especially for, I mean, not to be like, oh, my, my experience was so hard, but like I freak out about health things. Like this is the way that my mental illness manifests is by freaking out about medical things. And so yeah. for me, it was an absolute nightmare, um, yeah. even though it didn't have to be. So yeah. Um, yeah. So it it will be okay. Yeah, it's true. It will be okay. And um, get – your Gardasil shot. Sorry, anti-vaxxers. I hope you're not listening, but get your Gardasil shot. Actually, I feel like the anti-vaxxers turned it off by now. Yeah, that's true. But if you're out there, this is the one we'd love. Well, actually, no, get your COVID vaccine also. But besides (laughs) that, besides that, the Gardasil shot's really the one exception we'd love for you to make because um, it'll help you and your cervix or it could help the cervix of someone else for those of you who have cervixes and fuck people who have cervixes and neither of you currently have um or neither of you previously have received an hpv diagnosis chances are that you will not there's not really an easy way to scissor your way into swapping hpv yeah it's usually like um, you know, they say vaginal, oral, or anal, but it it really needs to be like a deep a deep transmission is how I'll phrase yeah. that. Yeah, I would say like, I mean, the way that I think about it is like if you are sharing toys during yeah. the act when the juices are flowing between, yeah. then, you know, there can be like fluids that are touching one person's cervix and then another person's cervix. And that's a situation yeah. where I could like see 
it being like this is why it's not a zero percent chance you know for sure for sure but yeah when it comes to like external stimulation it just it just doesn't happen um it comes from fluids against the cervix yeah and again never say never yeah it's just like this but yeah it's different it's different than with um some of the other stis out there where skin skin to skin contact can be a a genuine concern um oh yeah absolutely with hpv it's a little less um it's actually annoying I, i was reading when i was reading about this it was saying that um you know i i can't remember if this was the cdc site or who or something else i was reading but um it was like the only real way to prevent getting HPV is by being monogamous, having only one partner, and by always wearing a condom. And I was like, okay, well, that's, I mean, that Do you, that excludes like, like such a large percentage of the global population. And um, it's just <laughs> so unreal. Like you're with yeah. one partner and using yeah. a condom every time? Yeah. Just in what world is that going to be a rule that people are following? Yeah. And granted, like, I don't know. I mean, I've been sleeping with my, the penis owner who's attached to me romantically, (laughs) you know, consistently for Very formal title there. Yeah. That's his formal title. Um, But like, I personally don't know if it's one of those, I mean, I'm sure chances are if he had or has HPV that I would already have had it in a pap smear because I've had several since being in a relationship with him but I think that's a safe assumption it it just seems ridiculous to be like you have to wear a condom every time you have sex in order to keep HPV away no like do not live your life like that truly I mean that's that's the thing about it is that it's like there are things that and this is coming from me (laughs) y'all there are things that increase your risk of adverse health effects that that are worth it I don't know if that sounds dumb but it's like yeah like how many foods have been linked to increased cancer risk like do you avoid every single one of them like no you You know I can't google that because we'll die emotionally Yeah. (laughs) yeah I mean I have to start laughing you know, because it's like it's just not real life to think about yeah. avoiding all of these things. I'm not gonna not have sex. I'm just Good. I'm just not. I'm not gonna wear a condom every time. Absolutely not. I'm Hate just them. not. And uh I go get an examination every year. Um yeah. and you know, I have health insurance and you know, we've already touched on a couple of ways that our healthcare system in the U.S. is fucked up. And I know in the state that I live in, there's a lot of people that are completely uninsured because we did not adopt the Medicare expansion. And there are a lot of people who don't have any type of um, of healthcare. And, and that's real. But, you know, I, I think most important thing you can do is just get vaccinated like we keep saying um and yeah yeah, just like stay on top of checkups and other than that I mean it's one of the risks that I think um we have learned to accept and um 
just yeah knowledge is power so just learn as much as you can including the kind of scary bits and also the stories from the millions of people out there who had it and nothing happened to them (laughs) yeah for sure um and i think like how claire and i would encourage um everyone to react to any sti diagnosis um this is just another one of those things like you said claire it's it's the common cold of the cervix that's a great Mm -hmm. way of thinking about it because um even though we live in a world where getting any kind of sti diagnosis is scary obviously when it's tied to cancer it's extra scary um but it has nothing to do with um anyone's cleanliness or lack thereof it has nothing to do with um you having done anything wrong even if you didn't dot all of your i's and cross all of your t's even if you didn't grill every sex partner the way that you um wish you had or maybe the way that claire and i probably have um to to partners in the past but um even, even if even if you don't feel like you you kind of checked every single time that's okay um yeah having a positive diagnosis is is okay and you um you're gonna be totally fine and we're here to support you through this um through this podcast episode and in any any other way that we can yeah it can it can happen to anyone for lots of reasons many of which we've touched on it's incredibly common uh so lots of people are carrying it um you know penises can't be swabbed for it <laughs> it it's not in urine exams um it's not in blood tests um so yeah i mean i felt like shit when i heard about it but if it happened now i wouldn't and i don't think anybody else should um and yeah you know i've i've talked to friends about it who've gone through the same thing since then um i've had friends who are like you know, upset with themselves, think they know where they got it from because of something that they did that they feel bad about. And I'm like, or not, or something else, you know, like it, it's out there and like, yeah, you didn't do anything wrong and there's nothing wrong with you. And like, truly, it's probably going to be fine. Yeah. And if you stay on top of your uh, annual exams and stuff, like, they what was comforting to me was like if you come back in a year and you do have cells that still look abnormal then if something progresses to cancer we're gonna catch it like so early to where all they would have to do is remove those cells and then you're fine so it's literally just like being extra extra precautious on top of what you're already doing in your preventative care um and literally, that's it. Yeah. Um, Claire, thanks for thanks for joining me and talking about your HPV journey. I think, um, you know, you made a you made a comment to me earlier that when you got your diagnosis, it would have been really helpful to have received the information you did um, at the time, not from your medical health practitioner, but um, from a big sister. And I feel like. Yeah. Um, hopefully this conversation provides um, the right tone for folks 
who are or may in the future kind of go through this process. Um, so I, I, I do really appreciate you being open and kind of vulnerable and sharing that with us today. Thanks for having me.